This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Wednesday, January the 5th. Coming up, we're going to be hearing about a campaign to save an ancient parkland in Maidstone from being built on. But first, thousands of pounds has been raised in memory of a 27-year-old dad of two from Sheppey who died from COVID just five days after Christmas. 27-year-old Luke Sands had spent six weeks in hospital. He leaves behind his partner Becky Cole and their two sons, Reggie, who's seven, and three-year-old Vinny, and has been described as a loving son, partner, father, brother, uncle and very good friend to many. Now, it's understood Luke had gone into hospital on November the 18th with a chest infection and caught COVID, which led to sepsis and pneumonia. Hundreds of people have donated via a GoFundMe page to help the family. So far, it's raised more than £11,000. Well, our thoughts today are very much with Luke's family, and you can find a link to that fundraising page at Kent Online. Staying with COVID and if, like me, you've had to take a child in for a COVID test before they can start school this week, you're probably well aware of the various issues facing teachers as young people go back after the Christmas break. How are schools going to cope with staff shortages? Will classes have to be merged? And how long will secondary school pupils have to wear a face mask for? Well, the Kent Online podcast has been told only time will tell as to whether COVID measures in schools are enough to keep them open this time around. As I mentioned, there are growing concerns about staff shortages in particular as Omicron causes a surge in cases. Well, we've been speaking to several people about this. First, let's hear from Seven Oaks mum, Alison Kesson. She's glad her three children have gone back to the classroom. I think it's good for them to um, have their education, their structure uh, in their day. Um, and I am really thankful that schools are open um, and really appreciative of all the staff. I know it's really, really hard in schools at the moment with all the staff shortages and the stress that that must be for staff. So I'm just really thankful that they were able to open. My children did enjoy home learning a lot, um, but I don't think they're aware of how much they miss out in the classroom. Um, And they're definitely enjoying being in the classroom and getting to do hands-on experiments and cooking and things like that. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's 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 really important that we try and keep them there for as long as possible. I'd love to see more money to support the teachers to give ventilation where it, where it's difficult and also to provide teachers um we need more teachers please. Let's now get a teacher's point of view. Andrew Samuel works at a school in the county. He's followed by education expert Peter Reed. There's not a lot more that you can really do than wear face masks, um have the windows open, uh, you know, ventilation and face masks are the two things there aren't that many other things that you could really do to make uh, to make the school any safer we're not going to stop covid we're just going to stop it spreading faster than it would um and and they are definite game changers the difference between when we had masks and when and we didn't have masks in terms of the spread of the infection is marked so i absolutely believe that concentrating on things like keeping the windows open keeping the doors open ventilation and masks is vital for pupils interacting, yes, it is. Um, it is uncomfortable. It's not great. But if it's the co- if it's the price we have to pay for keeping kids in school and keeping schools open, then it's a price absolutely worth paying. But I guess essentially, I don't think there's a huge amount more that government can really do to schools 
that's not going to interfere. I think, you know, we are going to have to uh, get on with it. We are going to have to we are going to have to live with it. And I think masks, ventilation is as much as really can be done. We literally just have to wait and see. You know, every morning we go down, we go down to the office, we check to see the number of staff that are absent. Uh, so, yeah, watch this space, basically. I think we need to be clear that every school is facing different circumstances. We are in the middle of a great experiment. We don't know whether this is the best way forward, but I'm not sure that it's not. We've just got to try something. And this is a reasonable way forward. It's a pity we had such short notice. Yeah. I was a head teacher some years ago. Jolly glad I'm not in charge of this today. It's a horrendous challenge for head teachers. And finally, we can hear from our resident GP, Dr Julian Spinks, who's based in Stroud. It's protecting other people more than the children, although even more important is uh, actually protecting education. Um, every time a child gets COVID or is in contact with COVID and has to self-isolate, that's missed days of education. Every time a parent... Uh, uh, a teacher gets uh, catches COVID from a pupil or other person, again, you've got a teacher who cannot teach. And the idea that you just put two classes together assumes you've got a big enough place that you can space them out enough. And so you know, there's a big challenge here, but the key bit, as everybody else has said, is to keep education going on as normally as we can and keeping some wise precautions of the way to do that. If the NHS starts to fall over, that's going to affect everybody from uh, you know, having children who've been through education. I think we stand a good chance of keeping them in school with some simple precautions, such as wearing masks and the ventilation. I think that the scaremongering side, I do not want to scaremonger. I think we have to put this in perspective. We are better off. But are we at a point where we can just sort of give up? It's rather like saying that uh, people in Africa have learned to live with lions, and as a result, they don't bother about being attacked. In reality, you take reasonable precautions to prevent the worst things happening, but you try and get on and do as much of normal life as you can with those. They were all guests on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night and this evening. The topic will also be COVID-related. This time, it's going to be about changes if you get a positive lateral flow test. It's been announced today that if you have symptoms, you'll no longer have to also get a PCR result from Tuesday. You'll still have to isolate for at least seven days to limit the spread of the Omicron variant, but officials say the lateral flows are over 80% effective at identifying who is infectious, so there aren't likely to be many false positives. Meantime, a Kent MP has urged the Prime Minister to cut the isolation period from seven days down to five and claims the country is in a semi-lockdown. South Thanet's Craig McKinley says workers who are perfectly well are having to take time off as one million people self-isolate after catching COVID. Some public services are resorting to emergency plans to mitigate staff shortages caused by the Omicron variant. Among them, South Easterns say they're reducing rail services in Kent because they don't have enough workers. From Monday, there'll be hourly services via Raynham, Gillingham, Chatham and Rochester to London Cannon Street during peak times. Other changes include some trains not running between Gravesend and Dartford via Sidcup to and from Charing Cross. We're also being urged to check before we travel. And nearly 60 bus services have been cancelled in parts of the county because there aren't enough drivers. Stagecoach have apologised for disruption to routes in Deal, Dover, Sandwich and Canterbury. They say if things continue, they might need to adjust timetables as well. 
Now, work to build the first Nightingale surge hub in Kent is due to be completed next week. The new unit in the grounds of the William Harvey Hospital in Ashford will provide extra capacity for up to 100 COVID patients. It'll only open if it's needed, though. Local MP Damien Green has raised concerns about a loss of parking spaces at the site because the building is being put on the site of the car park. And finally, on COVID today, a mum has driven 800 miles from Tunbridge to Italy so her nine-year-old daughter can get a COVID vaccine. Alice Colombo, who works as a public health professional in Maidstone, says we should be doing the maximum to protect everyone. Now, unlike in Italy and other European countries, the jab is only available to under-12s here in the UK if they are classed as clinically vulnerable. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and a 16-year-old boy has died after being hit by a car in Gillingham. The teenager was knocked down by a Ford Fiesta in Ingram Road three days after Christmas and passed away at a London Hospital on Sunday. Crash investigators are asking anyone with CCTV or dash cam footage of what happened to contact them. Meantime, a woman in her 70s is being treated in a London hospital after being hit by a car on Hoth Way in the town. She was seriously injured when it happened on the dual carriageway just before five yesterday evening. Police say the driver stopped at the scene and they're urging witnesses to come forward to help with the investigation. A man's been taken to hospital with facial injuries after being attacked with a knife at a Kent railway station. Two people were arrested following the assault at Ashford International yesterday morning. British Transport Police have told us a man's been charged and is due in court later. A driver who left an Ironman triathlete paralysed after crashing into his motorbike in Hildenborough has been sent to prison for 10 months. Noel Miles was flown to hospital with chest, lung and spinal injuries after it happened on the B2070. His knee was also so badly damaged, part of his leg had to be amputated. 45-year-old Lisa Goff from Powder Mills in Lyon near Tunbridge has also been banned from driving for almost two years. Now, a campaign is underway to stop a barracks in Maidstone from being built on when the army leaves the site. The Ministry of Defence has announced it plans to stop using Invicta Park barracks in 2029. Well, the council have already earmarked the land for up to 1,300 homes as part of their local plan. There's already an historic building which is currently used as the officers' mess and much of the site is historic woodland. I've been chatting to Councillor Tony Harwood, who's applied to get the site protected. Anybody who's got um, Google Earth or any package can actually look at that site and see that it's not that large a site to accommodate 1,300 units and supporting infrastructure. And also that the site is absolutely covered in beautiful old Parkland trees, blocks of woodland and indeed that grey two star listed building. So it really is trying to fit a court into a pint pot that there is some potential for redevelopment of the more modern military buildings and those areas. But it, it's a beautiful historic parkland dating back to, to early medieval, late medieval times. It belonged to Henry VII, for example, and was called Le Parc. That's lovely. And, and with that in mind, you're now going to try and save it, aren't you? Well, what I've done is that I've attempted a number of different approaches. One, I formally requested that Maidstone Borough Council plot all of the best trees on the site and the best blocks of woodland on the site and then create tree preservation orders. And effectively, because the site is so heavily wooded and so covered in veteran and historic trees, that will sterilise a large part of the site. Um, 
in addition to that i have also applied that the parkland is listed by historic england as a historic park and garden and that's really because of its its royal significance it being henry the seventh's le park um, and then more recently with its association with the lushington family and by extension the the victorian poet laureate alfred lord tennyson um, it's it's more recent cultural significance. You, you must know the the huge pressure on councils to to build more houses. I mean, where I live, they're springing up on any bit of land that that's possible. But how important do you think it is to get that fine balance and save these areas that perhaps because it's been a barracks we haven't actually seen before, but in future could be opened up to us. I, I think that's a really important point that it's. A remarkable survival the parkland because it has been preserved in aspect within the barracks the grade two star listed building park house has been the officer's mess it is it is remarkably unchanged it's as if you're stepping into regency times when you go into that building at the parkland it, it has you know incredible twisted old sweet chestnuts that are hundreds of years old, beautiful old lime trees. It has more recent plantings of, of, of conifers and so on, um, which are truly remarkable. And, and I think it's worth saying that Maidstone Northward has taken more than its fair share of housing, even though it's an urban area, it has taken many hundreds of new houses, you know, huge blocks of flats, such as those being built on the Springfield site, and at Springfield Mill, and it has very little open space. Um, South Maidstone has Moat Park, and North Maidstone could have Le Park. You can see an aerial view of the site, and we have asked Maidstone Borough Council for a comment. The Kent Online Podcast with ball in Maidstone. Police are investigating a dog attack near Gravesend which nearly killed a cocker spaniel. Mog was out for a walk in a field off Bowsden Lane in Shaun when another dog jumped over a gate and attacked him. The owner's mum, who was with him at the time, was also badly bruised after being knocked over. The government's refused to say how £54 million given to French authorities to tackle the number of people crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats is being spent. Lucy has the details for the podcast. Well, Kent Online put in a freedom of information request to the Home Office asking how the taxpayers' money was being used. They replied saying it wouldn't be in the public interest to release details and in fact doing so could jeopardise diplomatic relations between the UK and France. There were also concerns that giving us any information could compromise operational activities on the French coast. A record 28,400 people crossed the channel in this way last year. The government has repeated said it intends to make the route unviable. Meantime, at least 66 people made the dangerous journey across the Channel yesterday. The Home Office has confirmed two boats were intercepted by the RNLI. A tiny girl in a pink onesie was among the first asylum seekers to reach the UK this year. And a Kent author has been named as the winner of the Costa Children's Book Award. Manjeet Mann was one of 20 writers shortlisted for the prestigious prize for The Crossing, which is about an asylum seeker who's crossed the Channel to Dover. She says it's a story of hope, grief and the very real tragedies of the refugee crisis. I just want people to read it and build some compassion and, and, and empathy. I think the story is really about connection, about two teenagers, yes, they're from opposite sides of the world, but there's a lot 
of similarities. Of course, there are lots of differences as well, but it's basically saying, hey, we're all part of the human race. I think it's important that people get to hear different stories. And I think um, that all helps build a more empathetic uh, and understanding world, you know. So I think it's just, yeah, it's really important that different stories are being told from different perspectives from people from all over the world. The book will now go up against four other category winners with the chance of being named overall Costa Book of the Year. Kent Online reports. A teenager's been arrested following a police chase involving a moped that's thought to have been stolen in Rochester. The 16-year-old allegedly failed to stop for officers who spotted him not wearing a helmet before he was detained in Abbey Road. He was also questioned in connection with illegal hunting and livestock worrying and released under investigation. Police have launched a renewed appeal to help find a Canterbury man who's been missing for nearly six months. 32-year-old Daniel Venice was last seen in the College Road area of Margate back in August. Detectives say they haven't given up hope and are still actively looking for him. You can see his picture at Kent Online. Now a cold weather alert has been issued for Kent and the rest of England as temperatures drop over the next few days. We're being urged to stay warm indoors and look out for vulnerable friends, family or neighbours. Yellow weather warnings for ice and snow will be in force in parts of northern England from tomorrow. There could soon be more Uber boats running from Gravesend. The council close to agreeing a deal to sell the town pier and pontoon to Thames Clippers, which runs the river service to London. It's hoped it'll help boost the local economy and safeguard the future of the oldest remaining cast iron pier in the world. And a Kent Animal Park has welcomed a new arrival. 12-year-old Mowgli, a Malayan tapir, has been transferred from Scotland's Edinburgh Zoo to Portland Reserve near Hythe. He joins three other animals of the same kind, one male and two females. You can see pictures of him in the story on the website. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and England have had a pretty decent start to their fourth Ashes test. Kent Zach Crawley has kept his place in the side and managed to take a catch on day one in Sydney. The host finished on 126 for three after rain brought play to an early close. Australia have already won the five-match series, though, as they're leading 3-0. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the new ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ballin Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.